You're listening to the Ready for Departure podcast, written and presented by Microlite student pilot Steve Middleton. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 6 of the Ready for Departure podcast. A quick reminder before we get going on this week's episode that I'm still really keen to get some fellow student pilots on this podcast so we can exchange thoughts. I'm curious to know if my experiences are similar to yours. Please get in touch via the website at readyfordeparture.uk if you'd like to be part of a future episode. So let's get on with this week's episode, weather. Today is another non-flying day due to the weather. It's currently snowing outside thanks to the mini beast from the east. Not quite as severe weather as we experienced the week before last, but still enough to frustrate microlight flying from a grass airstrip. I was fortunate enough to get airborne yesterday. I'd not flown for two weeks due to the weather and was conscious that if I did not fly, it was likely to be at least another week before I'd get the chance thanks to work and aircraft and instructor availability. So yesterday got me thinking about how the weather plays such an important part of flying. Yes, there's meteorology exam to study for and pass, so we'll get into that a little bit. But this, this episode is more about my experiences and how the weather has repeatedly frustrated my attempts to gain my pilot's license. You'll remember in episode 5, Going Solo, I talked about how it looked like I was not going to be able to fly my first solo on that day due to the wind speed. I was fairly relaxed about it, as I'd explained before. It took the pressure off the lesson and then, as it happened, the wind died down and I was able to complete my first solo. I speculated that perhaps my instructor predicted the improvement in conditions, but regardless of whether that was the case or it was just mere luck, weather played a part in deciding when my first solo would be. As I look at my logbook, I can see that there are some significant breaks in my lessons. Initially, I tried to fly once every two weeks, and so I booked ahead a bunch of lessons at two-week intervals, but this plan was doomed to failure. A number of cancellations due to the weather meant that often I went three weeks or more without a lesson. In October 2017, I only flew three times. Conversely, as I worked towards my first solo, I block booked a whole load of lessons in August and flew nine times, making excellent progress which culminated in my first solo on the 31st of August. The point is, the huge gaps in between lessons, primarily caused by the weather, held back my progress and resulted in my having to relearn and recover things I'd already covered. Conversely, having lots of lessons virtually every other day at one point, when the weather improved, saw me improve dramatically and was definitely a factor in my progress to solo standard. I've mentioned before, all Barton's runways are grass, as are most of the taxiways. Over the last couple of years, Barton's operators have spent a lot of money on runway improvements. This certainly affected me last year, as for quite a bit of time, two of the runways, 26 left and 08 right, were out of action for months while drainage was improved. The idea behind this is that Barton would still have to close the runways during periods of heavy rain, but that the runways would drain quicker, meaning as soon as the conditions dried up, flying could resume. It's not worked out that way, though. There have been numerous frustrating days when I've got a lesson booked, the sky is blue and the wind is light. Otherwise, perfect flying conditions for flying, especially for a student. But because it rained hard the previous day, the runways are still too soft and muddy. So even on a beautiful day such as the one I've just described, I've been grounded. If you're thinking of learning to fly from a grass airfield, whether in microlights or other light aircraft, you're going to have to think about how the weather will affect your lessons. Don't assume, as I did when I first got into this, that every lesson you book will happen. They won't. The weather definitely has its part to play. For months now I've been trying to complete one of my two solar navigation exercises. The plan is to fly from Barton to Ince Airfield, a small grass microlight strip near Formby on the west coast of the UK. Ince has been closed to non-based aircraft for a month now. They do not have the excellent drainage compared to Barton. Once it's rained, the strip needs to dry out. At times Ince has been okay, but there's a microlight flying school based at Ince, and during those few times Ince has been just about good enough to operate from, the owners have insisted that only the locally based flying school can fly from there. It makes sense, they are a business after all. 
If visitors who only pay a few pounds each in landing fees wreck the already soft and muddy runway, the school will have to cancel all their lessons. While it's a sensible policy I understand, it's incredibly frustrating for me. The other bit to bear in mind with the weather is that conditions may be okay for one type of exercise, but not another. So take yesterday for example. If conditions had been up to it, I could have gone for a local flight somewhere on my own and bumped up my solar hours. I need 10 solar hours uh, to qualify for my license and I only have 8 so far. I also need to do a few hours of GST preparation. GST is short for general skills test, the flying test with an examiner that must be passed to qualify for the license. As there are a lot of manoeuvres in the GST that involve height loss, for example stalls and unusual attitude recovery, we would need to climb reasonably high during those lessons, probably around 3000 feet. But the cloud base was at 1500 feet yesterday. Further away from Barton, depending on the direction, conditions were worse, so that meant solar navigation was out of the question, as was GST prep. I decided that I would fly anyway. As I mentioned earlier, having had a few cancelled lessons, I've not flown for a couple of weeks, and my instructors made good points to me in the past about currency. No, not the kind of payment he wants afterwards, he means the concept of staying current on the type of aircraft. Weather conditions can seriously impact on a pilot's currency, to the point where a competent pilot may forget things, possibly to a point they become unsafe. Yesterday, I completely forgot my downwind checks, something that I'd memorised off by heart months ago. So I flew, with an instructor, in poor weather. What did we do? My instructor can be evil sometimes. Actually, safety is his number one priority, even to the point where he'll push me into something that is difficult, so that I can learn how to be safe no matter what the conditions. Well, I'll tell you what we did yesterday. We left the circuit and flew directly towards the bad weather. There's an exercise in the MPPL syllabus titled Operating at Minimums. Actually, I think it's properly called Operation at Minimum Level, Exercise 16B, but it's more than just flying lower than we usually do. My instructor directed me towards rain clouds, ensured that my direct route back to base was blocked by cloud at the level we were at and then asked me to fly us home. I know the way, I know what features to follow, this should be easy I'm thinking. Wrong. As I turn 180 degrees to go back home, I see I'm approaching a big mass of cloud. Knowing I can't legally fly into cloud, I tried to tighten the turn, but I couldn't get it round quick enough. What am I not doing? Ah yes, descend. The hint is in the name of the lesson. To get back home I had to fly at around a thousand feet for most of the way and that's when the minimum safe altitude or MSA is 2500 feet in that area, Winter Hill being the nearest feature with an elevation of 1500 feet. Ironically as we flew back towards Barton visibility and cloud cover had improved, however the wind had really picked up. Barton's ATIS or Automatic Terminal Information Service was reporting southerly winds of 14 knots gusting to 21 knots. The runway in use was 08 left, which meant a full crosswind of the entire wind component. An excellent opportunity to practice crosswind landing, potentially out of the limits of the Eurostar EV97 that I fly. I think that lesson was a good example of how you have to make the best of the weather. It may mess with your lesson plans, but perhaps you can adjust your lesson as I did yesterday to just fly until conditions improve to make progress with the syllabus. It's worth pointing out that during October, when I only flew three times, I took the opportunity to pass most of the MPPL exams. For some of those exams, I took ground school classes, and the majority of those were taken whilst the weather outside was shockingly bad. One of those exams was the meteorology exam, definitely one of the hardest I would say. I know I talked about exams a little in episode 2, but I didn't go into detail about each one. The point of this podcast is not to provide you with an easy way to pass those exams. Certainly, if there are easier ways than study, study, and more study it. I don't know what that is and you won't find the answer here. The meteorology exam covers a whole range of topics such as air pressure, altimeter settings, you will finally understand the difference between QNH and QFE, 
wind, types of weather and clouds. You'll study and be tested on how clouds form and be expected to identify the different types of cloud. You'll learn how to read the Met Office Forms 214 and 215 to get a forecast of conditions, including wind speeds and direction. You'll also be expected to learn how to decode METARs and TAFs. I won't go into them here. Have a quick Google if you're not familiar with those terms. I found that as soon as I'd passed my Met exam, on subsequent flying lessons my instructor would constantly be asking me things like, what kind of cloud is that? Why did it form? And why is the air suddenly become turbulent? The idea is to keep you, the pilot in command, thinking about the weather all the time, on the ground and in the air. I remember in the early days of flying I'd be waiting for my instructor to tell me if a lesson was on or if it was to be cancelled due to weather. It got to the point where he said, soon you'll be telling me when to cancel. And he was right. When I came to plan my navigation flight to Inns yesterday, it was obvious that the predicted cloud base would be too low to take that journey safely, and the winds were estimated to be, to be beyond the published limits for the aircraft type I fly. I didn't bother to plan it, and contacted my instructor, which is how we came up with an alternative lesson idea. If I had to do it all again, I would have blockbooked a whole stack of lessons around the good weather. There were plenty of excellent flying days when I was available, off work etc, and could have made significant progress before the poorer winter weather came around and I didn't take advantage of that. If you're learning right now, I would imagine you've already had some lessons cancelled as we've had some rotten weather for months. If you're thinking about learning to fly, or just about to start, my advice would be to be patient. Take what lessons you can at the moment and then fit as many lessons as you can in once the weather improves. Let me know how you get on, I'd love to hear from you. And that's it for this episode of the Ready for Departure podcast. I hope you found this topic interesting. Weather is perhaps not the most interesting thing to talk about, but it has a big impact on our flying. Please let me know via the website how weather has affected your flying, or indeed to talk about any other aspects of your flight training, and do join me for the next episode. See you next time. Don't forget, if you want to participate in future episodes of this podcast, please get in touch and it will be great to hear the views of other students, fully qualified pilots, or even instructors. Thanks for listening to the Ready for Departure podcast. Music was by Josh Woodward and Chris Zabriskie. You can find out more and get in touch at readyfordeparture.uk.